Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast where Mary Kay Cabot answers questions from our Football Insider subscribers all about everything that happened on Sunday's game against the Chargers. It was a shootout, it was a thriller, we get into all sorts of stuff coming up on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. You gotta be a Football Insider subscriber if you want your questions on the pod, go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox, get uh, signed up to be one of our tech subscribers, which is where we get our questions. And of course, most importantly, get access to those exclusive stories at cleveland.com slash brown. So again, cleveland.com slash brown is the blue banner at the top of the page. Now on to our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And away we go on our Tuesday edition of the Hey Mary Kay Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, let's get right to it. Lots of questions, as you would imagine, about what happened Sunday at uh, at SoFi Stadium. Let's start here with Jonathan Cummings from Southport, North Carolina. He says, hey, Mary Kay, it looks like the Browns have come to a point where it's time for Coach Stefanski to show us he can learn and grow. His offensive play calling was an obvious issue in this game. Do you think he will learn from this? And if so, what do you think he should do? Well, I do think that he will learn from this. And he admitted today uh, in the Zoom conference that we had from him, uh, as we're taping this on Monday, uh, he admitted that he got a little too caught up at the end of the game in that second and nine and kind of thinking that uh, some interference should have been called there on that <laughs> Richard Higgins deep ball. Uh, and it just kind of, you know, it, it threw him off a little bit. He, he wasn't, I guess, really necessarily ready for that next play. Uh, and he, he knows that he can't do that. And he actually said, I'm sick about it, uh, which I thought was, uh, you know, quite an admission for a head coach to make. Uh, so yeah, at the end of the game, you know, those were not his best moments in terms of being a play caller. And, uh, and I think he's going to have to go back to the drawing board on that. Now I did ask him also today, I've heard him say that so many times this season, you know, he's putting so much on himself, so much on himself. So I just said, you know, have you thought about turning the play calling over to Alex Van Pelt? I don't know if you heard me, Dan, you were flying. I don't know if you heard me ask him that or not, but I, I asked him that because I mean, doesn't it seem like he he's constantly saying uh, that, you know, he put Baker in a bad spot or he called, you know, he didn't call a good play here or there. And so, um, so yeah, I just wanted to, uh, to get that on the record, but he definitely said that, you know, that's not something that's under consideration right now and that it is collaborative during the week and on game day. Uh, but, you know, I suppose the only other thing that he could do 
would be maybe to rely a little bit more. If it's that collaborative, then maybe take a little bit more of Alex Van Pelt's input in some of those situations or Bill Callahan's input in some of those situations, depending on who is in the headset and who has the authority to, to help. But he does, he does say that he has help. Um, and it just seems like maybe he could be, be a little bit more open to uh, some input in those situations. Yeah, I, I do think some of that, some of the stuff he's said about that is him protecting players. He doesn't, um, you know, like he comes out of the, the Vikings game and says, I need to do better getting guys open. And then you watch the Vikings game and guys are open. Um, right. So I, I, th I think a lot of that is, is maybe him just, he's not going to throw anybody under the bus, whether it's a, a receiver, a lineman, a quarterback, whatever. He's not going to throw anybody under the bus. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't think he need. I think he's been, I mean, he's been one of the best play callers in the league over the last two years. And we, I mean, we don't know how Alex Van Pelt is as a play caller, if we're being honest, but it wouldn't maybe, maybe if there is an issue, the solution would be to almost go the chiefs route a, a little bit where, you know, mm -hmm. Kevin's still the play caller, but Alex is the guy in the headset. Well, Alex did pretty well in the wildcard playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> uh, when uh, Kevin was at home in his basement. But um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's time for him to turn it over, but I, I would say that, yeah, a little bit more collaboration or, you know, a little bit more of a joint effort wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I remember Brad Childress and Pat Shermer did that together. And what that also does, it gives your offensive coordinator an opportunity to call the plays a little bit more, uh, just kind of practice doing it in the event that he gets that opportunity again himself down the road. And that could happen if these guys go on to have a, a really great season and make it deep into the playoffs, some of these assistants are going to get their opportunity. So it wouldn't be that bad. And I did ask Kevin that I, I prefaced my question by saying, I know that, you know, that you take one for the team a lot when you say that, you know, that you're not really, you know, a horrible play caller every single time you say that, you know, that you did something wrong. Um, but I still think that, yeah, you know what? And we talked about this in the post game pod too. They're they're playing some uh, they're playing some better teams and some you know really smart coaches and some good defenses. And I think that the challenges are going to be greater this year. Uh, they played a lot of 27, 28, 29th ranked defenses down the stretch in the second half of last season, and I, I just think there are a few. Uh, situations this year where they're just going to have to really, really bring their A game and be on top of it. Okay, this comes from Stacy in Columbus. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, what do the Browns need to do to close games against good teams like the Chiefs and Chargers? Mahomes and Herbert are spectacular, but the Browns were in position to win both of those games and lost both. What's needed to take the next step? The Browns had double-digit leads um, at half. They had a double-digit lead over the Chiefs. Uh, at halftime, and then uh, they they built a double-digit lead after their first possession of the of the second half against the Chargers, and they ended up losing both of those games. So, what do they need to do to take that next step? You know, I think uh, in both of those games that you're citing, uh, the common denominator there is that uh, the other quarterback, the opposing quarterback, just kind of put on that Superman cape and got great. And I mean, if you remember, obviously, uh, Patrick Mahomes came out and I think threw three touchdown passes in the in the second half of that game. Justin Herbert uh, put 26 points on the board in the fourth quarter of this game, uh, 34 overall, I think, in the in the second half. 
So, you know, these, these really, really good quarterbacks, and I actually wrote a column about this on Monday, uh, when you are up against these amazing quarterbacks, you, you know, you've got to go head to head with them. Like you've got to be able to make the plays. And that's the, the one area that I think that Baker Mayfield needs to step up and take his game to the next level. He's got, he's got to be more of a gamer. He's got to be more of a gamer in the pros. He was a gamer in college and he's got to just be that dangerous playmaker, that creator and that guy that, you know, just is can't miss. I mean, you know that when, when Tommy, when Tom Brady's getting the ball with, you know, whatever, a minute and 40 seconds left and he needs a field goal or a touchdown, he's getting it right. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, most of the time he's getting it. I think Justin Herbert is establishing himself as that kind of a guy. In fact, he has six fourth quarter uh, game winning drives. Uh, Justin Herbert does out of the 20 games that he has started. Baker has seven in the 50 games that he has started. And we just don't remember him that way. We just don't remember him as a guy that just goes down and wins the game for you. Right. I mean, I think we more so unfortunately remember him as the guy that hasn't been able to go down and win the game for you in the clutch. Most of the time there's 10 occasions on which he had an opportunity to do it and he didn't pull it off. So out of his 24 losses, 10 of them, were opportunities to go down and win a game, uh, you know, in that, you know, in the last two minutes or the fourth quarter, and he wasn't able to do it. And, and I just think that's, I think that's too much. And that's what needs to change for him. And I think it'll help when Jarvis gets back. I think we both can agree on that. Uh, he's his, you know, clutch go-to guy in those kind of situations, but he's got other guys. Doesn't help that Odell isn't one of them right now. Uh, but yeah, I think that, uh, I think that's the difference. The quarterbacks that they're playing are closers and Baker needs to get there. I also feel like Kevin needs to do a better job of kind of keeping his foot on the gas in some of these games. Uh, I mean, we've seen teams really come charging back against this team in second half. And I think Kevin gets caught up a little bit. He's so good at managing the clock. I mean, we've seen him just be masterful and, and he did it again yesterday when he scored 17 points, 17 unanswered points while the chargers were in one play. Um, between the second and third quarters. So, you know, I, I think he gets a little caught up sometimes in the clock and controlling possession. And I, I go back to that fourth and seven from the 47 in the third quarter. And the Browns were up 27-21 and they punted. And now the Chargers ended up not, the Chargers didn't score off of that, but it was just, it was very un. Stefanski like I thought you know we saw Brandon Staley get really aggressive and, and I almost feel like he out Stefanski Stefanski in that second half um, just just with his aggression and the way he he kind of approached the game offensively he played a, he coached a little more desperate and it felt like Kevin was just kind of hanging on a little bit yeah you're right about that I mean Brandon Staley I mean he made some gutsy gutsy calls didn't he but that's the trust that he has in his quarterback to make those plays I mean I mean it's like when you see John Harbaugh with Lamar Jackson you know and he's asking him hey do you want to go for it here you know on you know fourth and one or whatever the case may be uh and I do think that for the most part Kevin Stefanski trusts Baker Mayfield to make those plays but they were down some guys they you know they started to be down they were down Jed Wills and they were down 
Jack Conklin then in the second half of the game. And when you're into your depth like that at the tackle positions, uh, you know, I think that was another reason that he went into a little bit of a shell. They didn't want Joey Bosa crashing through there and, and uh, you know, having, having Baker take uh, some very costly sacks, maybe take a hit on that left shoulder or whatever the case may be. Uh, so I think the tackles being out of the game may have contributed him to him taking his foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Okay, as you can expect, there are questions about the defense because the Browns did score 42 points and put up 500 yards of offense on Sunday, and they lost. So uh, Chris Selleck in Springboro, uh, hey, Mary Kay, how worried should we be about the defense? The Browns should win when they score 40-plus points, but they don't seem to be able to shut down opponents late in games. Any concerns? I mean, the defense played so great against Chicago and Minnesota. Obviously, yesterday was, was very different. You know, I really do attribute this game uh, in, in so many ways to all of the injuries that they had on defense yesterday and the revolving door that they had. I mean, it seemed like every time you looked up there, somebody else was on the ground or somebody else, somebody new was in there. So they were already without Greg Newsom, their one starting cornerback. Now, Greedy has filled in admirably for Greg. So there hasn't been this huge drop off. Uh, to Greg, but still you're out one of your best cornerbacks and Jadavian Clowney had a knee injury. So he was not in there at the beginning of the game. And I think that's very significant. He's been doing a really, really nice job. Uh, and then to lose Denzel Ward to a neck injury. And then you've got AJ green in there and, you know, they just started like attacking that. I mean, they really were, uh, you know, just really trying to, to stress and strain a young cornerback, whether to, to get him into a mistake, uh, you know, some kind of a, a call, which he didn't even make a mistake on that, uh, on that pass interference call. That's a, another question I'm sure that we'll get as we go along here. But, um, but I think that the injuries just had a lot to do with it. Even Miles went down for a little while in the third quarter. He was kind of hobbled. Malik McDowell went out for a little while. And uh, I just think that they, when you're playing in such a fast paced shootout like that against an amazing quarterback like Justin Herbert. And I'm very impressed, very impressed. I couldn't wait to see it. Remember when we did our video on Friday and you asked me what I was watching and that was, it. I wanted to see what this young whippersnapper was all about. The guy that broke uh, Baker Mayfield's touchdown rookie touchdown record with 31 last year. And uh, to actually get to watch him up close and in person, it was really something. Wasn't it? I mean, he's good, right? It's like, it's it's the feeling that I got when I watched. Well, it's like when you watch Patrick Mahomes or when you watch Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Tom Brady. I mean, there's something a little bit different about um, about those guys, and uh, so that had a lot to do with it too. Yeah, and uh, you know, for Browns fans, um, if they get an opportunity, they. Kyler Murray's coming to Cleveland on, on Sunday. And he is, I remember watching him in Arizona a couple years ago in 2019. And, you know, this was when he was a rookie when he's healthy, he is one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch play football. So Brown, Browns fans are getting to watch some, uh, some high level quarterback play here uh, going, going against their team. 
Yeah. And you know what? That was another thing when I, I wrote a, um, I wrote this Baker Mayfield thing today, just talking about how high the bar is set for him right now. I mean, look at the quarterback play in the NFL. I mean, look at these young guys that have kind of just taken the NFL by storm. It's pretty darn incredible, right? I mean, if it's like they come out of nowhere. I mean, Justin Herbert arrived on the scene last year and he's already establishing himself as such an incredible force. I mean, he beat the Chiefs this season. He beat the Browns in their excellent defense this season. Uh, he beat the Raiders. He, you know, I mean, that, that, that's, that's pretty incredible. If they, if they keep it up like this, they are going to be uh, either the team to beat in the AFC or certainly one of the top teams to beat in the AFC. But it's the same thing with, you know, with Josh Allen. And, and the bar is, is set so high now with some of these young guys that, um, you know, Baker's going to have to take his game up a notch. He, he just absolutely is going to have to do that. They're dual threat guys. And ba Baker, I, I, he's sneaky mobile. I mean, he definitely is sneaky mobile. But, you know, you don't really just think of him as running around, obviously, like a Kyler Murray does. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's going to be really exciting. And they didn't play a lot of these super dangerous quarterbacks last year. I mean, think about it. They, I mean, they, they were drawing Mike Glennon. They got Mason Rudolph in the last week of the season. Uh, you know, so I think even though sometimes I know I feel like I sound like a little bit of a naysayer, I think you have to take a look at what's real. And you have to take an, I always say, an unflinching look at what the reality of the situation is. This year, they've got Kyler Murray, who is way better than anybody thought. I mean, when you, when you knew you were getting the third place team for the 17th game, it was like, oh, well, no, they're 5-0. <laughs> I mean, they are 5-0. So they, you know, that didn't turn out uh, to be the, uh, the best draw there. But to, to be playing, you know, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, you got Derek Carr again. You've got Aaron Rodgers. You had Patrick Mahomes. You got Joe Burrow twice. Lamar Jackson. You, you got to bring your A game every single week. Okay. Obviously, there were a bunch of Odell Beckham questions, so we'll uh, we'll turn to Tom from Stowe, who, as I would expect, summed it up better than anyone else. Hey, Mary Kay. When are the Browns going to admit what everyone can see? that the idea of Odell Beckham Jr. in the offense does not match the reality of Odell Beckham Jr. in the offense. It's starting to feel a little bit like that. Like when we close our eyes, we can see how this would work. And then when we open our eyes and actually watch, it's not working. You know what, Dan? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm almost over it. I am almost over it. Now, having said that, um, you know, they'll probably get it turned around and everything will be wonderful. And he'll be the reason why they, you know, beat the Chiefs or why they beat the Chargers the next time or why they beat the Bills and go to the AFC Championship game or go to the Super Bowl. So it's like you don't want to give up on it too soon because, you know, the potential is there. But there's something wrong between those two. I mean, there is just something wrong. I don't care what anybody says. I think we should stop pretending and stop being afraid to say it out loud. Right. I mean, everybody wants it to be not true. Everybody wants it to be false that they don't have chemistry, but it's true. They just really don't. And um, now yesterday might've just been as simple as Odell really wanted to make a play when you, when you haven't, that was just his first target that he dropped. That was his first target. He's always been a guy that when you get him going early, 
he gets in the zone. He gets, he just gets, take, takes his game up to that next level and he just gets hot. Well, that was his first target and, and he dropped it. I mean, he was already kind of, I hate to say it, but he was already kind of cold in the game. Um, and that's just an uncharacteristic drop. We, I, I, I wrote this. I mean, we see him make catches like that blindfolded and with one hand. And so that's very uncharacteristic of him. And I think it really impacted Baker going to him in the clutch later in the game on that second and nine, where he did go deep to Richard Higgins. Uh, Odell was open on a, on a shallow cross. I believe it was, I have to go back and watch it again. I was on the red eye, so I haven't gotten a chance to watch it all again yet, but he was open there and Baker didn't look to him. They didn't even target him on those last two drives at all. He was targeted three times in the game. He caught two passes for 20 yards. Okay, there were over 500 yards of offense in this football game by the Cleveland Browns, and only 20 of them from Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr., your $15.75 million man. No, that's not how this is supposed to go. I, I don't care what anybody says. That's not how this is supposed to go. I mean, if nothing else, you know, run them on a jet sweep or a reverse against the 29th ranked run defense, right? I mean, find a way to get him involved in the game as early as you possibly can. I mean, Mike Williams had eight catches. Now, granted, he only caught 50% of his targets. Sometimes that happens. But he ended up with eight catches on 16 targets for 165 yards, including, as we know, a 72-yard touchdown catch. I mean, sometimes you hit the big play but you're not going to hit the big play if you don't ever try three targets. I don't know. I just thought that was pretty bizarre. And I, I, th I think there were opportunities there. I mean, it wasn't Odell's fault that Baker could not hit him last week, but I think Baker stops trusting him. I think the trust went out the window after that drop. And usually Baker comes right back to his guys, but there seems like there's almost like enough history between these two that he's like, no, I'm done. I'm going somewhere else with this football. I thought it was weird. All right. Well, we have to talk about this as much as I hate talking about it, but it's a topic today. Uh, Browns players were not happy after the game yesterday. Um, so here's from uh, the 614 area code. Sure, the Browns could have done some different things on offense and defense to affect the outcome, but the pass interference penalty changed the game. If the Browns score in any minute, any manner after that game over, your thoughts? Just generally, I mean, not just specific to the question, but just generally a day later, your thoughts on sort of this whole pass interference fallout? Well, first of all, what I don't like after a hard-fought game like that, after a really hard-fought game where everybody leaves everything that they have out on the field, I don't love the vocal and public complaining of the officiating. It, it takes something away in my mind from the football game. And I haven't looked into this yet um, to find the answer I meant to today. Like I said, I'm when you have such a long travel day, it's hard to get everything done that you want to get done. But you know the play where they they pulled Ekelar into the into the end zone. Mm -hmm. at the at the end there um staley seemed to think that, that 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 there was something 
wrong about that from a you know, legal play standpoint. And I don't know if there is or not. I was going to check with the league and see if there was something he was actually going to try to get some clarification on that as well, because that could have cost them the football game. That may have been a blown call going the other way, right? I mean, we don't know for sure, but yes, there was some bad officiating in this game, but I've seen, you know, bad officiating in other games. Like there was a non pass interference call that the Vikings thought they should have had in the end zone in their game. Yeah. So, right. Uh, On the, on the last, on the last play. On the last play. So these things have a tendency to sort of even themselves out and in, in a game like that, that is just a classic game for the ages that I would watch again. Okay. I would, I would sit there and just watch that whole game again sometime, just kind of for fun. Um, I don't like the, um, I don't like the complaining afterwards. I think we all could see it. We all knew, you know, that these things were kind of questionable. I don't know. I, what's your take on that, Dan? Are, are you in the don't complain about officiating camp or not? I mean, I selfishly like it because it gave us a story. But from a, from a strictly football perspective, I don't think it's how Kevin Stefanski wants things done. It's one of those things where what do you always hear in football locker rooms? Control the controllable, right? Right. Well, you, you can't control the officials throwing a flag that they shouldn't throw. You, you kind of have to move on. And I think there's varying degrees to it. So if a play happens, if a flag comes out at the very end of a game, and I know somebody will make the case that every play matters, but if a flag comes out on like the last play of the game and it costs the team a game like that, I would have a bigger issue with this. To me, you know, look, and I haven't gone back and rewatched the the play closely. I know there's screenshots going around of it, but screenshots don't ever, you know, still photos don't show you what happened in the play. It was probably a bad call. People are going to get mad that I use the word probably, but yeah, it was probably a bad call. It's probably the wrong call. But the reality is the Chargers took, I'm counting here, one, two, three, four, five, six more plays to get into the end zone after that call, including a fourth down and eight. So I don't know. Yeah, the the Browns should have gotten the ball back, but when it doesn't happen, you got to move on. You got to play football and you got to find another way to at least hold them to a field goal in that situation. And, and the Browns didn't do it. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, I look, I appreciate the guys ask guys answering my question when I asked them about it and not just giving the Kevin Stefanski answer, but I certainly understand the idea of like, you know, just, let it be what it is and focus on what you can fix to get better. Yeah. And, um, and I have watched it a bunch of times and it was, it, you'll see, it was a bad call. It, it was I mean, a bad it, call. It looked like it just in real time. Yeah. It looked like it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it actually, not just a still shot, but I've seen the, the video clip of it and um, it was a bad call. So I, I do understand. I get where they're coming from. Um, but again, those things even out. And I mean, do you, do you agree with me with, with what I'm saying with the, with the Ekelar thing that, that could have cost them the football game. I don't know the rule on that at this point. Like I said, I, I would have to look into that Grant If Brandon Staley doesn't know it, I I'm okay. Not knowing it too, but 
<laughs> I can feel confident saying, I don't know that. Um, but I mean, you, you know, like I said, th those things even out the Vikings, I, I mean, did the Vikings, do you recall, did the Vikings complain about that? After that I can't, game? I can't remember. I didn't really see much of what they said after that game. Um, but yeah, I know that, uh, I, I know that again, there, there was a screenshot going around of, of I think it was greedy. Um, holding Adam Thielen on that Hail Mary. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, we could see that in real time too. And I wondered if that was going to be a big issue in the locker room. I was wondering if Kirk Cousins was say, was going to say anything about it. I don't think he did. I'd have to go back and look at the transcript. I don't think he complained about that. So I think those things do have a tendency to even out over the course of a football game. And I, I, like you said, it, you know, gave you a story, but <laughs> <laughs> so good for you, but I don't love, I just don't love that. I mean, lose what, you know, lose with a little bit of class and grace. I mean, that was a hell of a game. That was a hell of a game and they had a chance to come back and win it and, and they weren't able to do it. So well, it's, it's, it's something about that place because Joey Bosa got fined this week for going in, going after the officials Yeah. Um, after their Monday night game. So maybe it's just must be something in the, the SoFi uh, Southern California um, air down there that makes, makes guys want to go, go behind a microphone and uh, go off on officials. So interesting to see if anybody gets fined for that. Uh, Baker basically admitted that he will. So we'll, we'll see if they actually find him here. Uh, one more here. And I think this is a good question after this game from the eight, four, seven area code, uh, actually Todd from Evanston. Hey, Mary Kay, which side of the ball are, are you more concerned about after yesterday's game? That's a really good question, isn't it? That, yeah, that is like a really, it. yeah, that's a really good question. So, um, Here's the thing. Like I said, I attribute a lot of yesterday to defensive injuries. You want to have your full complement of, um, of defensive players when you're going up against a guy like that. I mean, what would, what would Browns fans or Browns media have been saying or writing if, um, you know, if, if the Chargers, you know, didn't have any of their you know, defensive guy, you know what I mean? It's like, it's an issue. It, it, it was an issue. And, um, and I think that once everybody is back healthy, I'm not worried about the defense. I think the defense is going to be really good and continue to get better. I mean, Malik McDowell, are you kidding me? Right. Um, just getting better every week. Uh, you know, I think greedy, hopefully for him, the shoulder is okay. I'm hearing that it's not that bad, um, but Greedy has come in there and done a really, really nice job. And what a bonus that is because nobody knew how that was going to go. So I think there are so many good things to look forward to on this defense. I think John Johnson, I think it was a good admission by John Johnson last week that he is still trying to adjust to his role as that deep post safety and that he's finding his way. I thought, th I thought that was interesting. So I think he'll get better. Either he has to get better at that role or they have to change his role. You know what I mean? Like they got they have to make sure that John Johnson is 
one of the best defenders on this football team. I mean, he was their number one target in free agency and he needs to be playing really well, grading out really well, making big plays, feeling confident and, and doing really good things. Uh, so I'm not worried about the defense. Um, and I'm certainly not worried about the running game, not worried about the running game. Although I will say this, I don't know. I, we don't have the MRI results yet. We don't know anything about the injuries yet. Again, we're taping this on Monday. Why do I have a feeling that I, I just have this gnawing feeling that like Jack Conklin is going to be missing a little bit of time. I don't know if he is or not, but, um, but if, if he's out, then you start to worry because Chris Hubbard is gone for the season. He's having tricep surgery. Jed, hopefully for Jed and everybody else, that ankle heals up a little bit and he can get back in there and feel good about himself. But there's not capital depth. I mean, you'd almost have to like, you'd have to think about making some kind of a move by the trade deadline if, if Jack Conklin's out for any length of time. I, I, it's, I don't know why I have a gut feeling about that. And maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. He, he, could be, he could be right back in the starting lineup against the Cardinals on Sunday. But that's an injury that you don't want, Jack Conklin. So if, if everybody's healthy, I think I'm almost a little bit more worried about the passing game. So I guess I'm going to have to say the offensive side right now. It's, it's such a strange thing to say because, I mean, they, they scored 42 points and had 531 yards, but I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I, think that's, I think there were still things that we come away with yesterday feeling like this needs to be better uh, on the offensive side, regardless of those ridiculous numbers they put up. But Because um, my only concern with the defense is the guys who got hurt or the guys that didn't play yesterday were guys you kind of worry about getting hurt and, and guys you worry about not playing. You know, I mean, we've talked about Denzel Ward on here. You know, we know Jadavian Clowney's history. Uh, you know, the, that, that's the only worrisome thing about the defense. If those guys are healthy and on the field. I, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to get this thing turned around and, and sorted out. And I think there's guys like John Johnson that are going to get more comfortable and, and just get better. But yeah, I, I mean, Look, this is life. I was thinking about this, Mary Kay. There's like five teams right now in the AFC that I would classify as like the top tier of the AFC. Um, that would be Buffalo, obviously, the Chargers. I still have the Chiefs in there, the Ravens, and the Browns. And that's, you know, if, if you want to throw another team or two in there, that's fine. But like, that's kind of life. If you're in the top tier of, a, of your conference and have a real shot to win what looks like it's a pretty wide open conference this year. Mm-hmm. If you lose a game, this is how we talk about you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the standards are so high now. I mean, the standards are so high. And as we mentioned before, the quarterback play is so good. And, and when you when the chips are down and when you get into uh, those really intense games and those shootouts and the playoffs, uh, largely it comes down to, uh, you know, the, the quarterback play. So Baker's got to just keep taking it up and working on his game. And I, again, I think it'll help a lot, a lot when Jarvis comes back. Uh, but think about this, you know, like he's not connecting yet with, you know, Doug was right yesterday when he mentioned Doug, Anthony Schwartz, isn't really super 100% game ready yet. He's got a ways to go. And I think that's because 100% because he missed all of the off season and training camp. You cannot be a rookie and miss all of that and come in and be a polished receiver it generally doesn't happen like that. He doesn't have his mojo down with Odell yet. Maybe that will come. So these are areas where 
there's plenty of room for improvement. And if it happens, then there'll be dynamite. But these are things that, that still need to happen. Austin Hooper, I mean, Austin Hooper is not an enormous force in the passing game yet. Maybe he will be, but as we've mentioned before, David Njoku is the more dangerous weapon in the passing game. So there's just not, right now, there's not a lot of um, targets or, or weapons in the passing game that, that he's really super on with. And who knows? I mean, teams might be defending him differently and doing some different things uh, to, to minimize Baker's damage. You know, I mean, we'll have to kind of dig into that as we go along, but it's the passing game that has the most room for growth. Let's put it that way. Okay, there we go. Our uh, Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, as you mentioned, you were on the red eye. I was up mm-hmm. early this morning to jump, to jump on a plane, so we are going to call it a podcast there. Uh, appreciate everybody's questions. They were, all came from our Football Insider subscribers. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, to get info and get signed up. And again, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen, get subscribed so you can get these right on your phone or however you listen. Uh, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.